Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you've had a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. How are you? Ooh, hello. How are you? Hope you're all doing well. If you're online, we're so glad that you're watching together with us. And uh, we're just going to continue our sermon series that we're doing at the moment called Blessed Life Now. Uh, there have been, uh, I think, three. No, this is the third one. There have been, no, yeah, three different um, uh, sermons in the series so far. So if you haven't watched it yet, please jump online and be a part of it. It's going to be a great way to do that. But we're going to continue when uh, we're walking through the book of Philippians just to learn ways that we can actually apply uh, the principles in the book into our lives so that we are enjoying our best life now. And at the moment, we're in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to jump straight into it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to read from the NIV version, not because it's the best, but simply because right now it's my favorite, and so I got the microphone, so anyway, here we go. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and this is what it says. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, the particip and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Just quickly going back to verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Uh, to this morning, I want to speak to us on the topic, press on to take hold. Press on to take hold. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence in here, O oh God. We thank you because you're in our midst, O oh God. We thank you, O oh Lord, because you, you inhabit the praises of your people. And today we ask that you would go through every aisle and go through every row and that you would touch every single soul. We ask, O oh God, that you would speak through my lips of clay, the unsearchable riches of Christ, that we would receive an inheritance among them that have been sanctified. Lord, we ask you for victory on the left and victory on the right and victory in front and victory behind. Lord, I put your word in my heart and I ask today that you would wrap me around your Christ. We thank you for all that you're going to do. Encourage us, O oh Lord. Equip us, O oh God. Empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Now, most of us will be very familiar with one that, what I consider to be one of the most familiar or most popular or most famous story on the planet, which is the story of the rabbit and the turtle. Yeah, you, you know the one, you know, the two animals are there and they have a race. Oh, uh, the, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting looks here. You call it something different, don't you? The tortoise and the hare. Yeah, wrong country. Come, come back. <laughs> Bring it back. We are now in the UK. Rewind. Most of you will be familiar with the story of the tortoise and the hare. Hey, and the crowd went wild. Yes, <laughs> the tortoise and the hare. You know the one where two, two animals decide to race each other. And the hare, feeling super confident and feeling like he's going to win this race, decides that halfway through the race that he's going to have a bit of a snooze, a bit of a sleep, and he goes for it. And while he is sleeping, the hare passes, oh, sorry, it's a hare, the, the, the tortoise passes him by, and the hare wakes up to realize that the tortoise is so close to the finish line, and there's nothing he can do to prevent the tortoise from winning. And we are told that this is the moral of the story is simply um, to be slow and steady, because slow and steady wins the... Oh, wow, you know the story. Good. Right country. Amen. Right group of people. And the reality is that slow and steady wins the... It does. It wins the race. Uh, and no matter your age and stage, we've all experienced this to be true, that slow 
and steady wins the race. Uh, in our household, it plays a little bit different. It plays a little bit like this. It's the difference between a dad look and a mom look. Some of you are like, oh, yes. Now, I'm not going to tell you which of us have the dad look and which of us have the mom look. Suffice to say that one of the looks ensures that slow and steady wins the race and wins it every single time. Uh, suffice to say that my children would only go to their parent, oh, to their parent, to their mom when they're looking for something significant and important. Uh, because they understand that she will persevere. They understand that she will press on until she takes hold of the thing that we're looking for. And I love it that in this passage of scripture, in, in Philippians chapter 3, you know we haven't read the whole thing, but in the whole chapter of Philippians chapter 3, Paul is writing to this young church in Philippi, and he begins to write to them and begins to tell them that he's going to persevere until he reaches the goal of winning the race or winning the prize that is found in the calling in Christ Jesus. And in doing so, Paul straight away lets us know that we need to do the same. That we need to achieve this goal of winning the prize of our receiving the calling that we've got in Christ Jesus Christ. And there's almost the sense that the reason that we have to do this is to take hold of that which Christ is taking hold of us. And we put it into simple terms. There's this idea, if you would, that we're pressing on in response to the fact that Jesus has grabbed us with his love. And so because Jesus has grabbed us with his love, we are doing everything in our power to make sure that we can respond to that particular love of Jesus. It, it paints this picture, if you would, of an Olympian who's been dreaming about winning gold at the Olympics and will do everything in their power except for cheating to make sure that they win a medal. It, it paints the picture of an individual who's been, if you would, bitten by the travel bug and will do anything and everything possible to see the whole entire world. And in a similar vein, Paul is writing to us to say, hey, we need to press on to take all of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. Right. Now, friends, I, I don't know where you are in your Christian journey. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. But I came to encourage you today that we need to press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of us. I want to encourage you this morning that you need to chase after it. I want to encourage you this morning that you need to run after it. I want to encourage you this morning that you need to pursue the goal of winning the prize that we find in Jesus Christ. We are called to do that, to press on, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. And I love that Paul is such a unique writer, such an inquisitive writer, he's such an uh, exquisite writer, that he doesn't just simply tell us that we need to press on, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, but Paul begins to lay down the foundation of understanding that we need to have to enable us to press on, to take on of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few moments, is we're going to look at these levels of understanding, these basic layers of understanding that we need to know so that we too in our lives can press on and take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, because when we do that, we are able to live our best life now. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you do, uh, the first thing you need to realize is if we're going to press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, the first thing we need to understand is that we are set apart. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3 says this. Let me read it to you. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. 
And by way of background, what's going on is that there are Jewish Christians who are Judaizers, is what they're called, who are coming to this young church in Philippi and saying to them that the only way that you can truly know that you're saved is by having the circumcision of the flesh. The only way that you can truly know that you've been set apart is by having the circumcision of the flesh. And Paul begins to write to them and say, hey, this is not true. He said, Paul makes it very clear to them that those of us who are circumcised, sorry, Paul begins to make it clear to them that circumcision of the flesh is not really what matters. The circumcision of the heart is what really matters. In fact, it's not just that there's a circumcision of the heart, but those of us who, are, who believe, who worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, that we are the circumcised. And so right there, Paul begins to let this church know that because they're circumcised in their heart, that they have been set apart by God. And friends, I want to let you know that in 2022, that that same truth holds true, that we are the circumcision, that we are the set apart, that we who worship Jesus with all our hearts, with all our might, and with all our strength, that we who believe that he's the son of God who died on the cross and on the third day rose up again, that those of us who believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we worship him to be so, that we are the circumcised. And based on this understanding that we are the circumcised, that we are set apart, we can press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. But here is the difficulty. The difficulty with being set apart is this, that it requires that we make some sacrifices in our lives. Hmm. You see, the sign that I've been set apart is that I'm making sacrifices in my life. See, being set apart simply means that we are holy to God, or we're holy for God. It, it paints this picture, if you would, that we have been separated, we've been taken out for a purpose and a calling. It, it means that we agree with what Jesus agrees with, and we disagree with what Jesus disagrees with. It means that we brought our lives under submission to Christ Jesus. And the reality of that is that it is a sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, the sign that the children of Israel were set apart was a sacrifice. It was the cutting of flesh. But for those of us that are in the New Testament reality, those of us in the room who believe Jesus to be Lord, the sign that we have been set apart is the cutting off of those things that do not align with God and his word. Are you still with me? And if we are going to be the set apart people, it means there's some things in our lives that we need to cut off. That there's some mindsets that we need to cut off. That there's some behaviors that we need to cut off. That there's some actions that we need to cut off. For some of us, it could be stealing. For some of us, it could be lying. For some of us, it could be unforgiveness. For some of us, it could be pornography. The list goes on and on and on. But whatever it is, if we're going to make sure that we're set apart, there are things that we need to cut off because ultimately, being set apart means is a sacrifice. I hope you're still with me this morning. I hope it's not too rough and too, too hard to kind of roll with. Because ultimately, ultimately, when it comes to being set apart, it is a sacrifice. And Paul is encouraging us in our text today that if we're going to press on to the goal of winning the prize, that we need to know that we've been set apart. And we need to make the sacrifices that are necessary so that we can press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. Because when we do that, we're living our best life now. Not only is Paul letting us know that we're going to press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, that we need to understand that we're set apart. But Paul begins to let us know that we also need to understand 
But Christ is our gain. Christ is our gain. Paul is letting the people know in Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, uh, 4 to 9 says this. Though I myself for the reason of such confidence, so though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the children of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as of zeal, prosecuting the church, as of righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, and I consider for the sake of Christ, and I consider lost for the sake of Christ. For what is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And what Paul is doing is Paul is making it very clear that his ability to press on, to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of him, is based on his understanding that Christ is his gain. Now, I know this kind of sounds a little bit weird. It kind of sounds a little bit out of place. But what we need to understand is that Paul is finishing a thought that he started in verse 3. That he's saying that he doesn't put his confidence any longer in his flesh. Let me put it this way. Paul is saying that he doesn't put his confidence anymore in his previous life. That he doesn't put his confidence anymore in his previous identity. That he's not putting his confidence anymore in his previous behavior and lifestyle. In fact, those are some of the things that Paul has cut off his life so that he can be set apart onto God. And Paul is letting us know that because of this, he now is able to press on, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of him. And Paul does this really smart thing, really just beautiful thing, where he begins to ensure that they understand what he's trying to say by painting this picture, by using a metaphor of accounting. He does this thing, and he goes, you know what, this is what I want you to do, because I want you to understand what I'm talking about. He says, I'm going to list the seven attributes that I consider to be a credit to me. I'm going to list the seven attributes that I consider to be a gain to me. Uh, he begins to list them, my strength, and says, my circumcision, my Jewish lineage, the fact that I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, my understanding of the Jewish language, my training as a Pharisee, my zeal towards God in persecuting the church, my sense of being faultless and being blameless as according to the law. And he begins to list these things on the side of a credit, and then he crosses them all out and puts a line across it and goes, this thing's no more. And then he does the amazing thing and goes, not only have I crossed it out, but I'm going to take it from being a, 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 a credit, and I'm going to shift it from the credit column and move it to the debit column, and he puts it right there. And so straight away, we begin to understand that Paul is saying, this means nothing to me that this is absolutely garbage, that this is absolutely zero, that this is absolutely nothing as far as I am concerned. In layman terms, what Paul is saying is this, that Jesus minus anything or Jesus minus everything is equal to Jesus. And let that sink in for a moment. Jesus minus anything is equal to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is our gain. Jesus is our profit. Uh, I believe in mathematically speaking, if you say infinity minus two or infinity minus a number, the answer is infinity. In the same notion, Jesus minus anything. 
whatever that thing is for you, no matter how big it is, no matter how significant it is, minus anything is equal to Jesus because Jesus is our gain. Jesus is our prophet. And friends, I want to let you know this morning that if we're going to press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken, up, taken hold of us, that we need to understand that Christ is our gain. That we need to understand that it's not our lineage that is important. That we need to understand it's not our identity that is important. That it's not our ethnicity that is important. That it's not our gender that is important. That it's not our wealth that is important. It's not our wisdom that is important. It's not our finances that is important. It's not our passions that is important. It's not our skill sets and our talents that is important. Because in light of the joy and the hope and the love that we find in Jesus, they are absolutely nothing. That we need to understand that the benefits of our salvation experience, the fact that we're forgiven of our sin, come on somebody, you need to get excited right there. The fact that we're forgiven of our sin, the fact that we're healed in our bodies, the fact that we have peace from above. The fact that we have provision in our life, that this surmounts to so much more. Ultimately, we need to understand that Christ is our gain. And because Christ is our gain, no matter what the circumstance may be, no matter what the situation may be, no matter what is in front of us, we can press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. And step into the calling, step into the blessing, and live our best life now. If I could please have the band up, that would be great. Paul is writing to this church, and he, again, like I said before, he wants them to understand some things that would enable them and empower them so they can press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of them. And he lets them know, hey, you need to know that you have been set apart. He lets them know, hey... Christ is our gain. And finally, he lets them know that you need to desire to know him. That you need to desire to know him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, this is the verse that we read and we're landing on it. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his fellowship, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this, I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And Paul is making it clear that it's not just his understanding that he's set apart. It is not just his understanding that Christ is his gain. But ultimately, it's his desire to know Jesus that is the key motivator for him to press on and take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of him. And I want to suggest to us today that that should be said of us, that our greatest desire should be to know him, that our greatest desire should not be for the healing, our greatest desire should not be for the miracles. Our greatest desire should not be for the provision. Our greatest desire should not be for the breakthrough. I'm not saying that these things are bad. In fact, I love going after breakthrough. But our greatest desire should be 
to know him. When Paul is talking about knowing Jesus, he's not talking about knowing Jesus from a distance. You know the way that sometimes we know people that are famous online and social media? Kind of know them from a distance? No, he's not talking about that. When Paul is talking about knowing Jesus, he's not talking about knowing about Jesus. The way we know about some historical figures, like maybe Churchill, we know about Churchill. We don't really know Churchill. No, Paul is talking about having a passionate, intimate knowledge of who Jesus is. Paul is saying that I want to know him. I want to experience the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul is saying that I want to have the kind of relationship with Jesus that I can experience both the highs and the lows of knowing Jesus. And I've discovered over the years that if you're going to have that kind of level of relationship with someone, that it comes from spending time and communicating with them. Specifically, asking questions. You know, for years I was involved in pre-marriage counseling, my old church. And uh, what we used to do is, as a way to help couples get to know each other a little bit better, both those that are going into marriage and those who are married, is we used to give them a deck of cards, a deck of get-to-know-you cards, and have about 50 questions in them. And uh, they would, the goal was that they would go on a date night, and they would begin to ask each other some of the questions on these cards. Some of the questions were things like, um, who was your favorite teacher in grade three or year three, and why? Some of the questions were like, are you a saver or a spender? Why? It just got awkward in the room. You're all nudging the neighbor like, babe, that's you. You are the spender. I don't know why. I need to actually know. When we go home today, I need to find out why you are the spender. (laughs) My wife is not here. I can say that. Oh, oh no, it's online. Ooh. <laughs> Love you, babe. But the reason we did that, the reason we gave them questions, is because we understood that when you begin to ask questions from each other, of each other, you build a level of intimacy. You get to actually know the individual. And I can I suggest to us today as we draw towards an end, if we're going to know Jesus, We have to go beyond knowing him from a distance. We have to go beyond knowing about Jesus. We have to go to the point where we're spending time with Jesus and we're asking him some genuine questions. Jesus can handle our big questions. Jesus can handle our difficult questions. Jesus can handle our confusing questions. And after we spend time with him and we ask him the questions, then we get our Bible out and we open it and we see what he has to say about those questions that we've asked him. Because when we do that, and our desire is to know him, it enables us to press on, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. As I draw to a conclusion, you know, theologians believe that um, Paul, when he was writing Philippians chapter 3, had been in the Christian faith for about 30 years. They had been a Christian for 30 years. He had done so much. He had experienced so much spiritual battle. He had done so much for the kingdom. But what is fascinating that even toward the end of his life, as it's coming to an end, his number one desire is to press on. Not to give up. He didn't say, 30 years, I'm done. I've planted churches all across the globe. Thank you very much. It's not 30 years, I'm the great apostle Paul. Put me in the green room, thank you very much. 
famous, famous, famous Apostle Paul? No. His desire, his heart, his aspiration is to continue to press on, to continue to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of him. Because Paul understood that if he was going to live his best life now, it is in pressing on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of him. And as we end today, I want to let you know the same is true for us. That if we are going to live our best life now, we need to press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. And it comes from understanding that we are set apart. It comes from understanding that we or Christ is our gain. And it comes from having this great desire that says, Lord, I want to know you above all else. I don't just want your hand. I want your face. And when that becomes our posture, we're able to press on, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. Come on, would you stand across this place this morning? Ade, how are you going to end the sermon? Really simple. I want to pray for a couple of people. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for a couple of people. First group of people I want to pray for today is this. Maybe you're in this room. You've never responded to the love of Jesus Christ. In a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. So across this room right now, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Ade, today I want to make a decision for Jesus. I want to pray for you. But I need to let you know right now that John 3.16 says this very simple fact, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to understand today that God loves you, that God cares for you, and he wants you to respond to his love. And the way you respond to his love is simply to accept him in your heart and just confess him to be Lord. So as I look across this room today, with every eyes closed and every head bowed, is there anyone who would say, Ade, today I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to respond to the love of God. I want to become a Christian. I want to turn away from my old ways and turn towards Jesus because I want to be a follower. I want to respond to his love. Is there anyone in this room just now? I'm going to count to three, and when I do, if you're online, you can join too. All you need to do if you're online is just put your hand on your heart and we count to three, and I want to pray with you because I believe that as you say this prayer, something is going to change in your life. Across this room, one, is there anybody that's going to say yes to Jesus today? Two, is there anybody that say, I'm coming back home. Maybe I used to be, I used to be a follower of Jesus, but through circumstance and through situation, I found myself away from God. Today, I'm coming home. Three, as I look across this room, is there anybody saying, yes, I'm coming home to Jesus? Just one more time as I look across this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, church, would you say this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Today, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I ask you to give me a new heart and a new start in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You know, if you said that prayer for the first time, maybe you didn't even lift up your hand. We are so proud of you. We're delighted for you. If you're online and you said that, come on. We are so excited for you. I don't know if you can tell. I am just so pumped for you. You have made the best decision in your life. 
and uh, we've got a Bible that we'd like to give you. There's a link if you're online that we want you to go to. Please be a part of that. We've got a Bible we want to put in your hands. But if you're in the room, we'd love you to come to the side. We've got Bibles we want to give to you, we want to pray with you, and just help you in this journey with Christ. But the other group of people I want to pray for, I got the sense as I was coming in this morning and praying about this sermon and this message, that there are two groups of people in here right now. That there's a group of people where you're struggling to cut things off from your life. You know what you are supposed to come under the word of God. You know there are things you're not supposed to do anymore. You know there's some behaviors, some mindsets, and thoughts that you need to cut off, but it's become difficult to do so. But today I want to pray for you that God will break that off you in the name of Jesus. The second group of people I want to pray for right now is that you have been a Christian for a while, but if you're going to be honest with yourself, your level of relationship with Jesus has got a little bit cold. It's almost this picture that your leg was, your, your, your foot is on the pedal and was going really fast. But right now, if you'll be honest with yourself, you kind of let the gas go a little and you're kind of cruising in control, so to speak. But right now, God wants to awaken something on the inside of you so that you can fall in love with Jesus like never before. And if that's you across this place, again, one more time, just for sake of privacy, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you, that you're responding to any of those two things, come on, would you lift your hand where you are? I want to pray for you. I really feel like there, is a, there are people in here for that. Come on, just lift your hand just a little bit high so I can see, because I want to I want to release something into the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see those hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for the hands that are up, oh God. I thank you for those of our brothers and sisters that are watching online right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that is holding them from cutting things off, I break its power right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I say that you loose them and set them free in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask, oh God, that they will be able to make the sacrifices that are necessary in Jesus' name. Lord, every behavior, every mindset, every attitude, everything that is hindering them for stepping into all that you've called them to be, we loose them off it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, for those of us that have got our foot off the pedal, I pray right now that God, you would cause your Holy Spirit to fall upon us afresh. I pray, oh God, that you'd cause us to fall in love with you like never before. I pray, oh God, that you pour out a hunger for your spirit, a hunger for your word, a hunger for who you are in our hearts, oh God, that from today onwards that we would be on fire for you like never before, oh God. And Lord, we promise to give you the glory and the honor, and we thank you for what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. That's all from us here on our London Riverside Church podcast. If there's anything you would like some more clarification on, you would like to take those next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page, londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. We hope you have a fantastic week and stay blessed.